0: following podcast contains references to making it rain. We don't endorse making it rain, particularly if you live in a flood prone area. The financial information in this podcast is general in nature and we can't account for your individual circumstances. For advice to suit your needs, please see the financial professionals for individualised advice. In fact, we'd be really happy if you did. Any media clips have been clipped out the public domain under the fair use and fair dealing guidelines.
1: Money climbs, money falls, money sinks, money fights. Oh, money bites.
0: Welcome to an episode of Money Stories by Money Bites, the podcast that makes money bite sized. In this show, we'll hear from some seriously impressive young people who will share stories about their experiences with money and what they've learned about it along the way. Today's episode is a very special one for me because I'm interviewing my friend, mentor and work partner Lacey Filipich. Now Lacey helps people become financially independent and reclaim their lives. And to do this she founded Money School in 2010 to build financial capability in adults and the Maker Kids Club in 2017 to teach children money skills through enterprise. Her TED talk on financial independence has 850,000 views and counting and her Money School book is a must read. I also know Lacey personally because I reached out to her for this interview and we got on so well, we started a venture together called Money Debates. Now, before we get to the full interview, let's give everyone a bite-sized preview of what's to come. Lacey, you've got just under two minutes of rapid bite-sized questions about money and you must aim to give one-sentence responses. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Let's do this. Start the clock. What's your attitude to money in one sentence? It's a tool which you can use to buy
1: back your time.
0: And one word? Choice. Sure, couples can buy money or keep it
1: separate? This is just opinion, but I reckon at least some separate.
0: Are you comfortable talking about how much money you make?
1: Yes, I think it's important so people know what to expect from different careers.
0: Describe your budget in one sentence.
1: I budget by bank balance. Once it's gone, it's gone.
0: Credit cards, yay or nay?
1: Yay, but do not pay interest. What scares you about money? I really dislike how unevenly access to it is distributed.
0: What's the best money tip you've been given? Save, absolutely, and automate it. Is a credit score important and why? It's only important if you need debt. So if you don't need debt, you don't need to worry about your credit score. Do you have an emergency fund?
1: Yes, I do. Five years' worth of living costs.
0: How do you feel about the FIRE or Financial Independence Retire Early movement? I really love the first bit, Financial Independence. I think
1: that's for everyone. I think Retire Early catches people. It's actually about being time rich. No one sits on a beach drinking pina coladas forever.
0: Is private health insurance worth it?
1: There's a monetary point at which it's cheaper to have health insurance. I do think extras is a waste of money. But hospital, if you find that's comforting, is an important one to have.
0: What do you consider to be a waste of money?
1: Fancy cars.
0: How do you feel about debt?
1: It's a tool. If you use it well, it can be the making of you. If you use it badly, it can do serious damage. Do you spend
0: less than you earn? Yes. What is money for? Buying back your time. How can you give effectively to charity? I like to give time, but if you want to give money,
1: effective altruism has some really good guidance on that.
0: And finally, what is the most important thing you should know about money in one sentence?
1: It's what you do with it that counts.
0: Okay. Catching our breath there. That was just under two minutes of rapid fire bite-sized questions about money. Now we're going to take things at a slightly different pace because there are some things I definitely want to get more into. Now, Lacey, for those who aren't aware, actually semi-retired at 31. She bought her first home at 19. These are some fantastic goals to aim for that we can all learn from, particularly for any young people listening who want to get better with money. Lacey is a fantastic example of what you can do with sustained effort and time. Now, I really want to get more in-depth with some of these topics that we've kind of touched on in those rapid bite-sized questions, but into more detail. Now, Lacey, thank you so much for doing our first rapid-fire round. Welcome to the Money Bites podcast. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. All right, you ready for some money questions? Sure am. Let's do this. What did your parents teach you about money?
1: Well, they really taught me a lot through role modelling. And I like to say that my mum taught me what to do and my dad taught me what not to do. Um, I love my dad. He's fantastic. But he is the key example, I think, in my mind of a very typical baby boom attitude of hating paying tax and investing in your home as a way of building capital, um, which I find completely the antithesis really of financial independence. And my mum is much more on the other side of the save, invest, have assets. And it's been very fascinating watching them over the last 30 years since they divorced when I was eight um, and the different paths it's taken them down. And what was your first paid job? Well, it was actually a business. Um, I started a business when I was 10 years old and it was doing something called hair wraps, which today people think means like a towel that wraps around your head. But it was actually bits of cotton that you wrapped around uh, you know, a plait of hair and it stayed in your hair for weeks. Um, so that was my first business. But my first paid job where I got like a dollars per hour, I think it was about $4 per hour, was when I was 11 years old, stuffing envelopes at my mother's work. They were a conference company. and had to send, it, send out mail-outs to their customers.
0: I love that you started a business at the age of 10. That's fantastic.
1: What has been your biggest money mistake Well, look, it's not the one that's the most financially damaging. I've had much more costly mistakes, but the one that really annoys me every year is the fact that I bought timeshare. And I did it when I was 21, and I thought I was getting this fantastic deal. And of course, now I get an annual bill for the maintenance, they call it, when you buy a timeshare with a big company. That's why I really count that one as my number one, because I can put down any mistakes I made that were costly to incompetence or learning. Um, they're one-offs you know things with property or with shares but this one comes back every year and annoys me well we'll give you a flip side to that what's been your best
0: decision with money
1: well it's definitely committing to save when I was a kid and you know I used to I would have previously answered a few years ago that it was buying that first property when I was 19 when everybody told me not to do it except for my mum everyone else thought I was insane Um, and it was definitely the beginning of my financial independence but that really stems back to when I was 10 And my mum told me about compound interest on the way to my first market stall as a kidpreneur when I was running my business and she asked me what I was going to do with the money. And I said, "Uh, I'll find something to spend on She said, oh, you know, if you put it in the bank, it makes more money for you. And then that money makes more money. She was explaining compound interest to a 10-year-old and I was hooked. So that decision from then on to save half of every dollar and just make it completely automatic, not even think about it. It doesn't even cross my mind not to save these days. And
0: I think that's really been the making of my ability to build up assets quickly. And I'm going to love your answer to this question, I think. question is, what work do you currently do and how does that give you purpose? Yeah, funny, isn't it?
1: How I, I've ended up working, well, creating for myself a business so that I can work in financial education, which is pretty funny coming from a chemical engineer. I think I might be the only chemical engineer doing financial education that I know. A lot of people come out of financial advice or journalism Or places where they see a lot of these stories and um, yeah, a bit odd to have an engineer talking about it. But that's been the beautiful thing about becoming financially independent as I've been able to choose how I spend my time. And I do work a lot these days because I love what I do. And I'm really committed to the cause. So I run two businesses. And the first one you've mentioned, money school. That's me helping adults learn about money. All the stuff that my mum taught me, but helping people fill that gap. And I actually ended up with a second business off that. So somehow I find myself running two businesses now. Um, the second one is about teaching kids about money. So people were asking me to teach their kids directly, but I really prefer parents to be heavily involved in financial education because so little of it is about the maths. It's really about your values and your ethics and your beliefs. You know, how much are you going to give? Who do you think you should give to? What kind of Assets you're going to buy, that's actually not a, a maths question because in lots of ways can work. It's it's actually a values and ethics piece. And so I, for a long time, resisted teaching kids directly. But then, funnily enough, I now teach them how to start their own businesses because one of my clients who was teaching her daughter about money, she started a business herself at ten, and she needed some help with it. And it was through helping her, just to, you know, just being nice, you know, they just needed some guidance that I noticed how good she was getting with her saving and how much more committed she was to saving because she'd earned the money. And when you're young, it's hard to earn money. You might only earn it from pocket money. She made real money out of it. And that then the, the lessons about saving really sunk in. So that's the second business now. I teach um, 10 to 12-year-olds how to start their own businesses. And then once they've earned the money, I talk to them about saving. And it turns out to be a financial capability uh, silver bullet. So that's the two businesses. But aside from that, I am um, because I get to choose how I spend my time. I spend quite a bit of time volunteering. And the area I volunteer in most strongly is, I guess, reflected in my um, career. It's with Women in Technology WA, WITWA, who are a fantastic organisation. And they promote STEM study to um, high school students, but with a heavy focus on girls And I do that because I want to see lots of young people build those amazing STEM skills that are going to get them into high paying jobs, because I think that's a really fundamental part of financial independence. And occasionally I do some consulting right now. I'm still doing a little bit of engineering consulting just to keep my qualification valid and keep my connections up. So, yeah, I do quite a bit, don't I? Absolutely.
0: And from one high powered role to another, if you were treasurer and in control of the government's finances, what would you do? Oh, I love this question, Kate. This
1: is such a good one and I wish I could wave a wand and do this. I would be seriously looking at universal basic income, particularly in the light of post-pandemic world and all the money they've had to borrow that we are now going to be paying back as debt as a result of people having their incomes cut short. I think there's a really strong argument for looking at something like a universal basic income that puts a floor under everybody and makes it possible to have housing security. And do you give money to charity? I do occasionally. I've got one regular annual contribution that I make to a giving circle. If there's a particular cause that um, is close to my heart and I think, well, I can't give time meaningfully there. If If it's something that I can't really help in some way, then I will give money to it. But I much prefer to give my time, which is why I spend so much time volunteering with Women in Technology WA these days. Have you ever struggled to pay the bills? Yes, I have, which I was thinking about this going, oh, well, I've saved so well. I must have always had cash. But, you know, there was a time when I was short and it was when I first moved from Queensland to Kalgoorlie, 4,000 kilometres away, and I was 21. And in the first month that I had moved to Kalgoorlie, I lost some personal possessions. I was on the dance floor having too good a time and I put my handbag on the dance floor and inside was a digital camera, which back then was really expensive. We're talking about 2004. And I had to replace it because it had been given to me for my 21st. (laughs) I felt terrible about losing it. And I didn't account for the fact that I was going to spend $1,800 on that but also have some other moving costs. So I had one month there that was really tight um, and that I was living on basically baked beans
0: just to get through. (laughs) How have you managed money in your relationships and has that changed over time?
1: It has changed over time. Um, my partner and I, well, my husband now, we've been together for 15 years and it's certainly varied as we've gone through. We've never gone all in with everything joint um, and part of that is because we've both always earned an income and because I really value independence and I do have a personal belief about it's important for both partners, I think, to have some of their own money that's at their own discretion. You can know that it's there, but you don't have to have control over it. So I have an account that I'm the only signatory on. My husband has one that he's the only signatory on. The interesting thing I think that's changed about our money management, the the way we spend our daily stuff hasn't changed much. We sort of pull it all together and then just pay what we need to pay. And neither of us are very frivolous spenders we've got very similar spending habits so there's been no tension with how we spend I would say which is pretty remarkable but our investing is very different and that's taken me a while to learn so when we got together I was onto my third or fourth investment property and Adam had never bought property before and I convinced him to invest in a property with me and although the property turned out to be really positive and it had a great result for us he hates debt, hates it. <laughs> so, it is. Um, it was really stressful on our relationship to have a lot of the discussions around it, even though it was a really good investment. So, we now probably won't invest in anything that requires debt together. I will still invest in things that require debt like property if I want to, but I probably won't try to get him to join me. So, that's something that's different. We've realised there's tension there and we don't want to have that Um, if we can avoid it so we just choose some different investment options but we still invest jointly in a lot of shares and things like that and speaking
0: of debt do you use credit cards
1: yes I do I have two credit cards I've used them for quite a while I got them with my first home loan my first credit card but I always kept the limit low and then I saw Frank Abagnale I don't know if you know who Frank Abagnale is but he's the um, character that Leonardo DiCaprio plays in Catch Me If You Can a movie that came out must be over a decade ago now and so I got to hear the real guy talk, and he was talking about how the fraud protection that you get is only really fully robust with a credit card, and it hasn't actually changed. You know? So the moment that you get anyone stealing your credit card number, that, that will be instantly reversed if you say, I didn't authorise that, um, rather than having to wait that it can be a couple of weeks if something happens similarly to a debit card. So I use it for the fraud protection, but I never pay interest. I, in both my cards, I've signed with the bank, pay this off in full each month. And so I've never paid interest using a credit
0: card. And how are you planning for retirement?
1: This is a really fascinating question because I guess when we think about retirement, we think about our 60s, right? The end of our working life and it's going to be permanent. I prefer the idea of taking little chunks of time throughout your career, like mini retirements. So my next mini retirement was actually going to be sometime in the next two years going and living in Italy for three months. But that's not likely to happen, I guess, depending on what international travel regulations turn out to be. In terms of The financial part of that, a lot of people wait till their 60s because that's when you can get a pension and access your superannuation. Because I'm financially independent, I don't have to wait for that. I've got those assets sitting outside super and I'm not going to be relying on a pension most likely. So theoretically, I can retire now, but I'm certainly not. There's too much more fun stuff to do. So it'll be very interesting to see what it's like later in life. At the moment, I think for the next couple of decades, I'll be pretty happy working on my two businesses and doing some volunteering and uh, just picking up assets that add value and can give me more income later in case I want to go do something exciting like go live in Italy. Fingers crossed. That sounds fantastic. Do you invest in the stock market? Yes, I do. I buy individual companies that I really like, and I tend to do that firstly in areas that I know quite well. So I used to work in mining, so I feel quite comfortable investing in mining companies and also divesting from them as the importance of energy has been, I guess, becoming more prominent in the last few years. But I also invest in indexes and I will invest in um, interesting areas of technology that I think are fascinating, a lot to do with health as well. And I think I know the answer to this next one. It would be interesting to know how you got started. Do you own property? Yes, I do. I've got. Um, we've got our principal place of residence, our home which was actually the last property I bought uh, with my husband as a joint one, and I still own two investments, but I've sold a few over the years to lock in some capital gains. But, yeah, I bought that first one when I was 19, which was pretty – when I look back on it, I think I must have been pretty gutsy to do that. (laughs) I'm not sure if I was 19 again now if I would do it, but I'm really glad I did, and I bought in a market which was looking pretty miserable. And back then interest rates were 5.1%, which was like the lowest we'd ever had. Imagine that. You know, we're we're now getting interest rates half of that rate, which is pretty extraordinary. And it was a little tiny two by one and it was hideous. It was brown floor, brown walls, brown ceiling. But my darling father, who's a builder, helped me tile it and paint the ceilings um, and fix the bathroom, which was disgusting. So it became habitable eventually. And I used to rent out the second room for $90 a week and my mortgage was $110 a week. So it was cheaper even when you added in the power and water and that kind of stuff and rates and insurance. It was cheaper than renting a room, which would have been about $100 a week in a share house at that point. So lucky I
0: did it really. And this is my favourite question. What do you spend money on to treat yourself? (laughs) I spend it on massages.
1: (laughs) So I love a regular massage and when I have a mini retirement, I will book a weekly 90-minute massage and that feels like complete luxury to me. Um, it's my favourite thing to do. I'll also spend money on good food um, and I'm not talking necessarily restaurants but I'll buy the nicest food I can get and we we don't have any kind of food budget in our household. We don't constrain our spending on good quality food. We don't waste so we don't buy too much um, but we buy what we really want because it's something that gives a bit of a buzz every day when you have something that's a bit special. So that's, that's the two things I do. But apart from that, I guess every now and then we'll do some big kind of travel, you know, and that's often, well, at the moment I've got small children, they're seven and um, four. So (laughs) we haven't done a lot of it in recent years, but we aim to do it again soon.
0: And final question, if you could pass on at least one lesson about money, what would it be?
1: I was wrestling with this one, whether I'd say save or not, but although save is important, I think it's actually um, I really want people to think of money as a resource to be used wisely. It's just a tool. That's all money is. In and of itself, it means nothing. It doesn't do anything for you. But what you can do with it is use it as a resource and buy back your time. And I think if you can get that through your head, then it really changes the way you think about the money you earn and the
0: way you spend it. Absolutely. Those have been your Money Bites questions. Lacey, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Kate. So what did we learn? Here's what we learned about money from Lacey Filipich's money story. Number one, financial independence is achievable when you're young. Lacey describes herself as time rich because she has ownership over how she spends her time. This challenges the traditional notion of retirement that you have to work about 40 years before you can finally get to retire and make choices about how you use your time off. Lacey instead retired at 31 by employing the idea of semi-retirement and retiring young to have more leisure time so she now has the freedom to take time off and work when she chooses to including working as a consultant in her field of engineering to keep her qualifications fresh. Now for any young person looking at the clock each day at their nine to five and wondering is this the next 40 years of my life that's a really inspiring way of choosing to do things differently with money when you're young. Number two saving half of every dollar from a young age adds up. Now, it's not a choice that's available to everyone, but if you have the option, start saving young. Lacey was incredibly lucky to have Fran as her mother, and thanks to Fran's guidance, Lacey started saving when she started her first business at the tender age of 10. And she learned about compound interest really young, started investing at 19, and chose to buy her first property instead of buying something like a car that would just depreciate over time. Those choices were made possible because Lacey worked hard to save every dollar she earned and invested the rest in assets that have grown over time. Now, if you can save money for later, if you're in that position, the more you can save, then the more you can invest in additional choices that become available for future you. Number three, share your knowledge about money with those who want to hear it. Lacey is incredible because she took her own experience and made the finance education that Fran gave her into something she could share with others through her two businesses. If you are in a position where you can help someone with their money, whether it's by talking about money with them generally, or by doing something more intensive, like we featured in episode one, where Gina in Brooklyn Nine-Nine supported Jake to start saving and become more thrifty like her. And you can hear more about that by listening to the first episode of this podcast. Now, if you're in the position where you can help people by having the conversation You should share that knowledge to support others in their own journey with financial literacy and getting more in control of their money so that they have more choices available to them later in life, including being able to semi-retire at 31 like Lacey did. And those are our takeaways about money from Lacey Filippich's money story right here on Money Bites. The following podcast contains financial chat. It's important to remember that this chat is general in nature, rather than a sit-down deep and meaningful. We can't account for your individual circumstances. To get tailored advice for your individual circumstances, please see the financial professionals. In fact, we'd do a little dance to celebration if you did. Any media clips have been clipped out the public domain under the Fair Use and Fair Dealing guidelines. You've been listening to an episode of Money Stories by Money Bites. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been awesome having you. If you like what you heard, we'd love your support in spreading the word by sharing the podcast with those you love and writing us a review while you're here. If you want to hear more from us, head online to moneybytes.com and let us know if you know an amazing young person you'd like us to interview next. Or if you are one, lead by example and put yourself forward because everyone needs to talk more about money. For updates on your social media feed for more episodes like this, follow us on social media at Money Bites. You can also subscribe for episode updates on this very platform to ensure you never miss an episode. It's absolutely free and it'll be the best investment you can make. Stay tuned for more bite-sized chat about money right here on Money Bites.